John 17, 1-11 Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you gave him authority over all people, so that he may give eternal life to everyone that you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world but for those you have given me because they are yours. Everything I have is yours and everything you have is mine and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Acts chapter 1, 1-14 I wrote the first narrative Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, You have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or periods that the Father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, who had been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they had been staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas... Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. They were all continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. All right, so we have a special treat this morning. Not only did you get me uh, reading the scriptures to you, which is uh, pretty exciting. You know, if you don't get to hear from me enough, now I'm reading the scripture. Yeah. Sorry, Stacey's out of a job. She's uh, fired as of last week. So, uh, no, I'm only kidding. But uh, our actual really exciting uh, surprise, other than that Stacey's still working here, big relief, <laughs> is that uh, we actually have our missionary to Montreal, Sarah, here. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hello, good morning. <laughs> and uh, so I'd like to ask her... A, a couple of questions first, and then she will be bringing the word of the Lord to us, unpacking some of that scripture that we have just uh, read uh, or, or heard being read 
and she'll also be sharing some of her own story. So, Sarah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, why don't you uh, tell us uh, who you're who you're working with yep. and what is your focus? For sure, yeah. So, I work with Power to Change Students, which is a Christian organization that's on university and college campuses across Canada. Um, we're actually an organization that's around the world under the different names, um, Crew um, or Agape in Europe. Um, and our heart for uh, ministry is helping students take their next steps towards Jesus. And that can look like helping a Christian student continue to walk with God as they go through university, or it could mean helping someone who's never heard about God um, learn and read the Bible for the first time. Marvellous. Yeah. And uh, so how long have you been with Power to Change? So I've been um, with Power to Change I've been involved now actually 10 years total, uh, first five years for as a student, and now I've been working, actually it's 11, I've been now working with them for six, um, five of which have been in Montreal. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So that's quite a it's long a, time. It's a long time. Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and for those uh, who are maybe newer to Cornerstone, um, how, how far back do your roots or your connections go with this church? Yeah, I actually grew up attending Cornerstone. Um, so this is where uh, I was dedicated as a baby. Uh, I used to live just over in Vinyl Village or Meadowbrook or maybe, I don't know if there's a fancier name for it now, but just down on Prince of Wales. I might say Vinyl Village, your mum. I know, and I, and I don't remember what the name is. <laughs> but yeah, just down the road on Prince of Wales. So I actually grew up in North Gore. Um, I grew up going to all the local schools. Um, I even stayed in, in Ottawa for university. And then in the last six years, I've, I've moved away. But this is still very much a sense of home to me. And it's wonderful to see so many familiar faces and also so many new. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. And, then, uh, and so the last thing that I'll say is that last week uh, in our One Stone at a Time meeting, we approved our budget for the next year, which was amazing work from all of you guys. And so thank you so much for that. And one of the things that uh, we, we approved uh, in our 15% of our budget that we are giving towards missions and ministries outside of our four walls was to Sarah and to her work uh, with uh, power to change in Montreal. Um, she might not m mention this, uh, but maybe she will. And if you hear it twice, then it's great. But one of the reasons that she's here is to raise support. Uh, you are going to mention it? I am. Okay. Yeah. So but now it's been mentioned, so this is good. <laughs> when she says it, uh, I want you to listen because, uh, because she is looking to uh, raise extra support with, you know, the, with the, with the cost of living increases and all and, and all of that kind of thing. So what I hope is that we're all listening to that and saying to the Lord, how can I be in, involved in that? But all that being said, uh, I'm, I'm really proud and excited to have Sarah here. Uh, let me pray and then she's going to preach the word of God to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that uh, you are the way and the truth and the life. You are the well that never runs dry. I thank you for that song that Sarah mentioned that she would like sung here today and uh, it really is a wonderful truth. Lord, I pray that uh, we would get a sense from her of what ascension living looks like and that you would speak to us clearly through your word um, and that we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into our hearts, that we would have something uh, that you want to say to us, that we would latch on to, that we would hold on to, and we would know that God, you've spoken to us through Sarah. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you. Um, so at the beginning of our scripture reading in Acts 1, um, the disciples ask a question or a version of a question that I'm sure many of us have asked too. Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? Now, to be fair, some of you are like, I've never asked this question, Sarah, what do you mean? But I, I think there's a modernization of it that we ask, actually. We ask, God, when are you going to show up? When are you going to do this thing that I felt you were promising or leading me to? Why is it taking, it, why is it taking so long? None of this looks like anything I would have thought it would. And I can confidently give you these options because I've asked those questions myself. It's easy to follow Jesus when life is going smoothly and everything is looking like you imagined it would, but what about when life doesn't? Sometimes I wonder, is this the same Jesus that I experienced the joys of life with? Is this the same Jesus that I've always known? So one of the joys of working with Power to Change students, um, a non-denominational Christian organization, like I said, across university and college campuses in Canada, is that it's non-denominational, and so we get students from all types of backgrounds. That was one of my favorite things as a student in being involved with it. I get to just have a richness in conversation as I learn from other believers and other people from different backgrounds. Um, it brings a depth as we remember that we worship the same God. Um, but it can also bring challenges um, when people from different theological backgrounds come together and start discussing opposing views. Um, so part of my job earlier this year was helping to manage these conversations. Uh, it's the least favorite part of my job. I am conflict avoidant. I will do literally anything to avoid conflict. It's something I've had to grow in <laughs> and learn how to get better at. Um, conflict can be really exhausting. And that season of my life in March, it was exhausting because I was experiencing conflict, not just in work with some of the students I was working with, but also even in my personal life. Um, and so it was just really hard. There was a day I can distinctly remember where I thought, God, if this is gonna be my job for the rest, I don't actually want it anymore. I don't wanna deal, I don't wanna be a conflict moderator. That is not why I'm here. What I wanted at that time was for God to take away the conflict so I wouldn't have to deal with it anymore and I wouldn't have to deal with the hard conversations that I needed to have. And isn't that the way our prayers often go? We ask God to take away the thing, whatever that thing is, rather than asking him to help us through it. And yet taking it away, is hardly the, that's hardly his response. Um, it's not the response we see that Jesus gives the disciples. Um, instead, we read Jesus telling them what I believe to be a gentle no in Acts 1, um, and a promise that they will receive the power of the Holy Spirit to help them, and not just help them, but help them be the answer to the prayers and questions they asked. They ask, Jesus, are you restoring the kingdom? And his response, or his lack of response to me, indicates a nope, not directly, but he is equipping them, and us, with the Holy Spirit, and then they can go and be the answer to their question. They'll go out and help others know his message and know what he's done for the world. I want God to take away the problems. <laughs> That's usually how I pray. Um, it's just honestly how I feel. Sometimes I don't wanna do the hard work, <laughs> but I'm also grateful to know that when he doesn't, I have the Holy Spirit available to help me. Um, the only way I was able to have <clears throat> Excuse me, the only way I was able to have those challenging conversations with students, Dan, sorry, could I have my water? <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. Um, sorry. Um, the only way I was able to have those challenging conversations with students was thanks to the Spirit helping me know what to say and when to listen. And I say this as someone who does it imperfectly. I, I also say that I do this, I say this in a way that I didn't always get the ending that I wanted. Um, I felt God's presence in those hard conversations I had with students of trying to help resolve conflict, talking to them, and yet actually both of them decided power to change wasn't a good fit for them, and they decided not to be involved anymore. And it made me sad, but I was okay with it as well, knowing that I can trust God with them. And so maybe the greatest miracle isn't that God changed the circumstances I was in, nor that I got the outcome I wanted, which was that everything would be resolved and they'd stick around and it'd be great, um, but rather that he was there with me actually as I talked to them, that he equipped me, he walked with me, and helped me resolve what felt like an overwhelming situation and that felt to be too much. After Jesus ascends into heaven, we see that the, that the disciples are a bit disoriented and at a loss. They're staring into space, confused about what's just happened, which is probably what I would have done too. Um, maybe wondering why Jesus didn't answer their questions fully. If you look at verse um, 11, there's a phrase in it that the two men say to him that I absolutely love. And the, the two men in white clothes say to them, this same Jesus, this same Jesus, who was the son of a carpenter, who they shared meals with, who they saw perform miracles, this same Jesus, who was crucified, died, rose again, has scars on his hands, this same Jesus has gone into heaven and will come again. His work on earth is done, and yet his work is still going. He's sitting at the right hand of God, interceding and praying on the behalf of the disciples and on behalf of us. And to think that we're in the same place as the disciples gives me a lot of peace and hope. Um, being interceded and prayed for by Jesus. Um, he's the same Jesus to the disciples as he is for us in 2023. He's the same Jesus that helps us get through the hard things, but also there to celebrate with us when things are going well. Um, some things that I've been celebrating with Jesus recently has been seeing the growth within Power to Change at Concordia, which is the university I work at in Montreal. Um, I've been so encouraged to see the different ways students are taking steps towards Jesus like two students experiencing healing after having a poor experience with a previous church. They decided to start attending a local church in Montreal and got baptized back in February. Or a student deciding to start reading the Bible for the first time and celebrating with him when he completed Genesis. Another student is excited as he graduates to continue having faith conversations with a friend that he met back in his first year of engineering, and he can't wait to see how God continues to work in his life and his friends. Back in September, I grabbed dinner with a Concordia alum. I first met Barothi uh, five years ago while I was in Copenhagen, Denmark, serving with Power to Change. She was a participant in a missions trip that came and visited us while I was there. I knew that she was at Concordia, and at that point, I knew I'd be heading to Montreal after Denmark. So it was kind of this like, are we gonna be friends? I hope so, otherwise this next year of work will be really awkward, but it was good, we're friends. <laughs> Throughout the next school year, in 2018 to 2019, I had the opportunity to disciple and mentor Barothi before she graduated in the spring of 2019. Last fall, when I was grabbing dinner with her, I decided to just ask her, 
how graduation was, like life after graduation was going, if she felt power to change was helpful for her, and she shared how it gave her friends and community that she's still in touch with today. She shared how it helped her grow as a leader and in confidence in skills that she uses for her human resources job. She also shared how it gave her a desire and boldness to look for opportunities to share her faith at work. Specifically, she shared how while as student leader, she re uh, remembered the team reading a book called God Space by Doug Pollock, which is a book that is meant to help create spaces or consider how you can create safer spaces for spiritual conversations to happen naturally. In the book, she remembered one of the chapters was about how you can't expect people to come to church. You need to go where they are comfortable to have conversations with them. A few months later, she was invited to go out with her work team um, to a Sankaset, or a happy hour. And while out with her team, someone asked her a question about Christianity, and she was able to have a spiritual conversation with them. She remembered the chapter of the book at that time and thought how easily she could have missed that opportunity if she had said no to going out with her team, and she would have missed out on having a cop an opportunity to talk about faith with them. What I love about that story and what I love about working with university students and just all the story, little clippets of stories I shared is that it's so much more than helping them while at university. Um, my hope and prayer is that there will be more stories like this of students learning, growing, while being involved with P2C and then also their local church so that when they graduate, they'll continue walking with Jesus and helping others to know more about him too. It's the same Jesus in all these circumstances. It's the same Jesus that they're experiencing when they're a university student, when they're entering a workplace, when they're reading the Bible for the first time or experiencing healing from pain. Um, maybe it's that he remains, remains the same, but our perception of him changes as we keep, keep living life, just like the disciples' view of Jesus radically changed when he was no longer walking on earth with them. In verse 10 of Acts, as they were gazing into heaven, I imagine like it was them staring into space, trying to comprehend all that just happened. They've just witnessed a miracle, Jesus going up into heaven to be with his Father at his right hand. After witnessing something amazing, the disciples eventually walk back to Jerusalem from the Mount, from the Mount of Olives. It's described as a Sabbath stage journey, which is roughly an 800-meter walk. If you want, let's, I just want to let's imagine it for a minute. So if you want, close your eyes. There's no obligation to close your eyes. However, it helps you to picture this. If it's also helpful for you to picture an 800-meter walk, imagine walking from the North Gore Fire Station to Cornerstone. That's how long their walk was. So there's no phones. There's no music. All you have are your friends around you who just witnessed this wild event with you. What do you imagine that walk to be like? Would it be a silent walk? Would there be a sense of shock, awe? Do you think there would be a conversation happening? If so, what do you imagine being said? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Feel free to open your eyes again. I personally imagine that there's a bit of silence a strong feeling of disbelief, and probably some questions like, did we really just see that? And can you believe he left us again? I doubt the disciples expected Jesus to disappear in front of their eyes, and I doubt this was the answer they were expecting. What I especially love about this part of the passage, though, 
is that we don't immediately, they don't immediately start to pray. They walk back first and have time to process, reflect, and get their feelings in check before they respond. And I just want to be clear, like I'm not suggesting don't pray immediately over things. Like it's, it's good to pray. It's, it's good to pray and respond in prayer. Um, God wants to know how we're feeling. He wants to know how we're doing. He also already knows those things, um, but he wants to hear it from us. But what I love about that part of the story is that maybe after something good or bad happens, we can extend ourselves grace to feel emotions before praying. Maybe we don't have to respond right away and we can just take a second to collect our thoughts before we respond and know that God will love us whether we pray right away or in five seconds or five minutes. You'll notice that the disciples don't do this alone. They get together as a community, men and women joining together in prayer. I imagine responding to what Jesus just told them all together in a group. And one thing I notice about the whole story is just how important community is in it. The disciples are together as a group at the beginning of the story with Jesus, and they continue to be together and add more people when they are responding in prayer to what they've seen and heard. As I ponder my community and who all God has brought into my life, I want to take a moment to just say thank you. As Dan mentioned, I, you guys have been supporting me for six years now, and I'm so grateful for my Cornerstone family who continues to pray and give to what God is doing in the lives of university students. Um, I wouldn't be here without your prayers, encouragement, and giving. And it's thanks to you as a community who have chosen to be on this journey with me um, you're having an impact on the lives of university students, and they're getting the opportunity to experience the same Jesus that we have. Um, you might have noticed in the pews, I have little comment cards. Um, as Dan mentioned, I am in a season of raising support, of growing the community around me who pray and give towards the work that God does through me in Montreal. Um, this summer, I'm trusting God to provide um, 1,700 in monthly support, 5,000 in one time, and more prayer partners who will continue to pray alongside me and the students I work with. Um, feel free to fill this in. You can leave it in the pew, and I'll collect them later. Um, they also have a spot for prayer requests, you'll notice. Um, you might remember at the beginning of this, I was talking about a story about conflict and how it was really overwhelming for me. And 100% the Holy Spirit was there and part of that circumstance and helped me. Um, but I also pretty much sent a 911 email, not quite worded like that, but in essence it was. Um, and I just asked my prayer team to pray for me because I was feeling really overwhelmed. I didn't really know what was happening. I just couldn't handle the life I was in in that week. And just knowing I had people to pray for me just meant so much. And so I want to do the same to you. I want to be here to pray for you guys and to support you, even though I live two hours east of here. Um, so even if you fill in nothing else, if you just want to leave a prayer request, I would love to be praying for you as I head back to Montreal tomorrow. We don't know what the apostles' prayer time looks like. We can only imagine. It's also not clear if the women were present when Jesus ascended into heaven or not. One reality I like to imagine, though, is maybe the role of those who weren't present for both the wonderful but also shocking ascension of Jesus was that they were able to pray for those who came back in disbelief. I can imagine those coming back 
were probably unsure of what to say or how to pray. I know that that's been my response when something happens unexpectedly. Maybe that's the role of the women present in the prayer meeting, to pray and be present with those that are hurting and unsure of all that they would, what they saw and what it all means. Maybe they're, they're here helping, maybe they're there helping calm those who experience something crazy. Sometimes it's other people coming alongside us, reminding us who Jesus is that can help us get through things when they look different than we thought. They have eyes to see what we can't, just like the men who showed up to the disciples, maybe just like the women in the prayer room. I know there's been moments in my life where it was actually someone saying, hey, Sarah, I think actually I see God at work here. Like, he's still present. That helped ground me in reality. Be like, right, he hasn't forgotten me. He hasn't left me. And so I just want to pose the question, um, who can you invite in when you need to be reminded about Jesus? Who could you help in your life who might need to be reminded that Jesus is still with them and for them? Um, I think it's important to ask ourselves both if we need help, but then also who we might be able to help remind of these truths. So later this year, I have the joy of turning 30, and because of this, I keep getting asked uh, what my goals are for this coming decade of my life, and I honestly have none. And I have none because I'm ending my 20s with a life that looks nothing like I thought it would. When I started my 20s, I was in the middle of a history degree at university, planning on becoming a museum curator or an archivist. I thought that I might be married, uh, probably having kids of my own by the end of my 20s. I might have ended up in the UK for work, but ultimately I figured I would be staying in the Ottawa area, uh, maybe going away for my master's first, but then coming back um, and being close to my family and friends and the community I have here. Um, nothing about my current life reflects any of the things I imagined would be true. I am unmarried, I do not work in the history field, I work for a Christian nonprofit, and I call Montreal home. And I just want to be clear, I love my life. I, I love my beautiful, cozy, ground floor St. Henry apartment. If you ever want to come to Montreal, can't, don't have room for all of you, but you can still come, <laughs> can explore together. <laughs> I have a black cat named Ivy that I love dearly. If you know the dragon from, uh, the dragon from How to Train Your Dragon, she looks just like Toothless. I love the families and friends that I have, both with me in Montreal and those who live further away. And I love the chance that I have to help students know who Jesus is and help them to see how he's at work in their lives. And while I'm grateful for what I have uh, and the life that I have, one that I didn't even imagine would be a part of my future, I also grieve the one that I thought would be. And I, I'm recognizing that it's okay um, to grieve and to be sad that maybe life didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Um, God's literally turned every expectation I had on its head, and I currently am hesitantly peering around the corner of my 30s wondering, okay, God, what are you going to do? Is there any point in dreaming or hoping for what you might do in my 30s when my 20s look vastly different than what I thought they would? And I'm genuinely excited. I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I'm turning 30. I'm like, no, I'm actually excited. <laughs> genuinely excited for my 30s. But I'm also actually bracing myself for what's to come. 
And I, I understand that might sound depressing, or I've been told it sounds depressing, so please don't worry. Well, you, can, you don't need to worry about me. I'm not, like, depressed, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. I go to therapy, so anyways. Um, maybe that's an indicator. Anyways, we're, we're derailing here. Um, <laughs> that could sound depressing, um, and I've been told that. But I also wonder if actually maybe some of you can relate to that feeling. The life you imagined you were building, either suddenly or gradually, no longer being what you pictured. And all of a sudden, you're hesitant to hope. Hope can be a really painful thing when expectations don't come to fruition. I know that firsthand. And I don't have an answer for you yet. I don't even know the ending to my own questions. I, I mean, I'm still 29. I'm still approaching my 30s. I haven't, I'm still processing with God what hoping and dreaming could look like and mean when I'm still kind of scared to trust him in some ways. And I'm trying to figure out what it means not to make hoping an idol or to demand what I think my life should look like. Um, and maybe you're resonating with some of these thoughts that I'm sharing. And so if you are, I just want to say welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the place of wondering what it means to hope when Jesus does the unexpected, like maybe not answer your question and suddenly go up in the sky. <laughs> maybe when our prayers sound more like a constant stream of questions than a bunch of hallelujahs. Um, I just welcome you here because I'm here with you. What does it mean to hope when God doesn't meet our expectations? What does it mean to dream when we want to also walk with God and trust him and obey him, but know he's ultimately in control and could change absolutely everything? I honestly don't know. <laughs> but what I do know is this. I know that the disciples asked these same types of questions like we saw at the beginning of Acts. None of them started their lives thinking they would end up in ministry. They were carpenters and fishermen and tax collectors and yet when they encountered Jesus, Jesus radically changed the direction of their lives. And I appreciate knowing that the people that knew Jesus intimately, literally walked with him on earth, personally know, knew him while he was here, ask the same types of questions I'm prone to today. Because if they saw Jesus firsthand, I can be confident in knowing Jesus can handle the questions I wrestle with every day. I also know that this same Jesus that I've loved, and I said sometimes in my notes, but honestly often question, <laughs> all throughout my 20s, is still here walking with me. That he's interceding on my behalf and will continue to be here as I wonder what could possibly mean to hope and dream for my future. I am filled with confidence that the Holy Spirit is here and is present to help me to continue to walk through both the joys and challenges of life. And I know that although my perception of him might change as I grow and learn more about him and I become more closer to him, he's still the same Jesus. Always present, always loving, always caring, sitting at the right hand of God, continuing to pray and intercede on my behalf. And he's here for you too. And so... As we start to prepare to end our time together, I actually just want to create a space to just pause and reflect. I think it's really easy to kind of hear things and maybe something resonated with you and then we kind of just run along and then that's it. Um, but I actually want to just create a space for us just to sit with God and sit with maybe some of our hard questions. 
Um, so if it's helpful for you, close your eyes so you aren't distracted, but it's not required. Maybe your posture of sitting could be a big indicator. So maybe if you're feeling like really tight and maybe open your hands just in surrender, maybe ground your feet on the floor. Um, just get in a comfy position. Um, there will be some silence. Silence is okay. <laughs> so as we enter this space of just reflecting and being with God, is there a place in your life where you're asking the question, when are you going to show up, God? None of this looks like anything I thought it would. Where are you when I'm feeling hopeless? Or is there a different question that you're asking right now? Just take a moment to think about it or those circumstances. When you think about the phrase, this same Jesus, what comes to mind? How do you need Jesus to remind you that he is still the same in your current questions and circumstances? What moments in your life are you reminded of that show Jesus' steadfastness and faithfulness to you? Just reflect on those for a few minutes. As you think of Jesus at the right hand of God, what do you need him to be praying for you today? What are the things you need to trust Jesus with? What do you think he's saying over you or to you in those circumstances that, you just, that just came to mind that maybe you're feeling hopeless in? Allow him to just speak those words to you right now.
Lord, I thank you that you are here with us. Lord, I thank you that Jesus is sitting at your right hand, interceding on our behalf. Lord, I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit so that we aren't alone in the feelings that maybe we feel uh, in the areas of life where maybe we feel it's hopeless, where we're wanting you to take away a problem or a situation and you're not answering our questions. Um, Lord, would you meet us there? In the places where we're asking hard questions, would we just have a greater sense of your spirit, of how it is present and helping us through the hard things, whether it's a hard diagnosis or a hard conversation that needs to be happening or conflict that you didn't see coming or just generally just feeling that life is hard? Um, God, I thank you that, that we, we have community around us. And Lord, I pray that um, we would we would feel that we can be confidently going to each other for prayer. And Lord, I pray that, um, yeah, you would just bring us your peace. Again, Lord, I just thank you that even though it felt weird or chaotic or unexpected, that you rising was the thing we needed. I just thank you that because of it, we have the Holy Spirit and we can abide in you. And Lord, that's what I pray as we continue with the rest of our Sunday I pray that as we continue with the rest of our week, would we just dwell and abide in you. Amen.